Welcome to the Red Letters Podcast. In this podcast, we will explore topics that can be life transforming while delivering a message of hope. So welcome to another episode of Red Letters Podcast. We thank you so much for joining us. Today we are going to be talking about a subject that's not easy to talk about, but yet we want to put it out there because one of our listeners wanted to know more about this information. So we're going to briefly tell you what it is and then we'll take it from there. Tony, would you like to tell us what we're going to be talking about and the definition? Perfect. So trauma, the definition is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. What is, was that the question, Tony? What is trauma? Yeah. Okay, what, is, what trauma? is trauma? So trauma is basically what he said. It's any experience that we have lived, either in our childhood, in our adulthood, but it's an experience that it impacted our life in such a way that we don't know how to move past it. And sometimes we think, Tony, that we have moved past it, but we continue to bleed on people who didn't cut us. So what mm. does that mean? That means that something that's hindering my growth, my development, my maturity, it's hindering it for a reason. But I get into relationships and I want to talk to the younger crowd here. I want to talk to those that are freshly going into a relationship, that are looking to get married. Because if we don't heal from these traumas that came to us when we were children, something that was done to us that we had no control over, we tend to bleed on that person that loves us. So the relationship that we're getting into, what we are going to do is we're going to make them pay and I'm using quotes, for what somebody else did to us because we didn't learn how to heal from that trauma. And we're not being specific, okay, this happened, that happened, no. I'm just saying trauma is anything that happened to us that was beyond our control, whether any type of abuse, anything that hindered your growth. And now you're here, you're a grown-up, you're over 18 years old, and you don't know how to move past that. Uh, Well, one of the things I want to touch on real quick that just kind of got triggered from what you were saying is that trauma will alter the way you look at your present life yes. and the filter you use to judge decisions or relationships moving forward. So mm-hmm. it is something definitely that one, you have to, I guess, acknowledge if you've experienced it. And then two, understand that it's going to change your way of thinking towards people and situations based on the trauma that you did have. Yes. So I think it's just knowing the issue is already half the battle. You know, if you acknowledge it and see that it could taint the way you see things, it might help you understand that, hey, maybe I need to address this right away or sooner than later Mm -hmm. so that I can get healed and be able to have the correct filter and have my heart right and have a better outlook on my life. I want to just give you guys an example. I didn't have such a great relationship with my mother. And I really don't like talking about my parents. They're both deceased and may they rest in peace uh, because I know that my sisters and brothers will hear this. And sometimes it strikes a nerve with them, but it's what happened and it's the truth. So one thing that my mom had a tendency to do when she walked in the house or she got it walked into a room, she would just look, but this was after the beatings, that I knew that as soon as I saw her, I had to get up and start doing something. It didn't matter what I did. I just had to get up. And it was almost like a programming that happened with me that if I saw her walk into the room or I heard her voice, I was up doing something, cleaning something. It was always cleaning something or cooking something or tending to one of the kids. I'm one of the eldest of 12. So it was always doing something like that. So throughout my life, that's how who I've been. I remember when I moved to California many, many years ago and my husband would come home from work, I would immediately jump off the couch and start doing something. Even though the food was cooked, the laundry was done, everything 
everything was done. And I already worked an eight hour job. So there was no reason for me to jump the way that I did and start straightening out the house. But what ended up happening was that I was getting so angry and resentful at my husband because of what I was doing. And I didn't understand. I could not get it. It took many years for me after going to school and going to therapy to understand that this is a type of trauma that I was dealing with, that I didn't realize that my body had been conditioned to act in a certain way by authority figures, if you will. And that's the way most of my life ran. It was jumping up when I saw somebody say something, do something, and it's trying to make the situation right. I always felt kind of uneasy about it. It made me sick to my stomach when I was up trying to make sure that everything was okay, but I didn't know how to not be that person. So it, it took a lot of years of realizing like, you don't have to do this. This is something that was embedded in you and you tend to act a certain way because of what, what how you were conditioned and the threats and whatever else that comes along. And that's deeply embedded trauma because when I say this, it didn't start when I was seven. It didn't start when I was 10. It started from when I can remember being as little as three years old and getting up is like doing something. And it was always doing something. It took many years of me breaking down in order for me to be rebuilt to say, I don't have to be that person. It almost sounds like my, my mom grew up in your mom's neighborhood. <laughs> um, my, yeah. My, my mom was really rough, especially when I was a kid, almost the same kind of situation um, where everything had to be picture perfect. If you grab something, it has to be put in the exact same spot. If the label's not facing you and it's turned a little, you know, 45 degrees the other way, she knows you you got into her stuff. Oh, wow. So she had everything like almost as if you took a picture, it would never move. And to this day, I find myself with that same quality because oh. I used to get disciplined for not putting things back right, you know, putting it back the same way I found it. So even now, sometimes my kids are, will mess with me and go into my office and move something around. I know somebody sat at my desk because I'm real crazy like that, I guess you can. But that, like you said, that's one of those little qualities that is embedded in me because of my upbringing. And one of the things I think that's good that you brought up is how we'd have to evaluate evaluate some of the why we do what we do after the trauma, because there's a verse in the Bible that says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so helpful in the process of dealing with trauma, because if you react to certain things because it was traumatizing to you before, and you're just so quick to lash out and you don't choose to, hey, let me just be quiet for a second. Let me listen. Let me process this yeah. thing first and let me not get angry. That's part of the healing process, I think, acknowledging it and, and identifying it and saying, okay, let me put these things in the right category before I turn around and react. Right. Oh, so good. Actually, I want to I want to share something because it's really to be in the part of the person that's dealing with the trauma okay, to put yourself in their shoes. You have to understand that when you're dealing with, especially if you're you're not a believer and you don't know who you are in Christ, dealing with depression and dealing with the pain and everything that you're experiencing through that moment, sometimes it's not easy to just come out of it. It's not easy to just give it to God. It's not easy to, the, the healing process, it doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes, even though we know we're in that ditch of depression and pain and everything else, it's not easy to get out of that ditch. How do you get out of that? That ditch, you know, even as an unbeliever. When I was 19 when my dad passed away and I was already suffering from depression at the time. So when my dad's last four years, I remember them being like, to me, the best four years of my life with him because I actually got to have a relationship with him and I got really close to him. So when he passed, 
I, I talk because it's sensitive because sometimes, you know, I think about he, he died too young. But I think about when he passed, it just all my emotions and everything escalated mm-hmm. to the point where it took me over a year just to try to get out of that ditch of the depression, the thoughts contemplating, which I did commit the act of suicide within that year that I was dealing with the loss of my dad. And it was really difficult. It was really tough to get out of that place. It took me having my first son, getting pregnant with my first son, believe it or not, it was through his eyes. Mm -hmm. And the fact that God just saved my life from committing the act of suicide, that I was able to get out of it, but it wasn't easy getting Mm -hmm. out of it. Now, when my mom passed away, this happened, what, six, seven, nine years ago, she passed away. I was already a believer. And to be honest with you, that was really easy for me because I knew where she was. Right. I knew that I was going to see her one day. And I spent so many years with her that I was able to have that relationship with her that I was happy that she wasn't suffering anymore. I knew that, you know, it was it was sad in my heart that I wasn't going to see her until, you know, the day we meet again, but I knew she was in a better place and I knew that, you know, the time's going to come and I mean so the, so the difference in my emotions and how I dealt with it was differently, but now being a, a believer and experiencing a traumatic for yourself, mm-hmm. like when I broke my arm. It wasn't it wasn't something that it wasn't just a little break, it wasn't a fracture, it was literally one of the the worst breaks you can have in your hand where I had no mobility, pretty much your hand was like paralyzed and it was just a flop of an extra component on your body that you're holding because it has no function. And the thought of not having a hand ever again, it really affected me to the point where it caused me to go back into depression as a believer. And it was really tough, you know, and I thank God that my husband was there. In fact, God used him in a crazy way because him and I became even closer in our relationship where he took care of, because I had to be fully dependent on him to take care of me and to help ponytails (laughs) to take care of me. But one of the things I want to share the scripture in Psalms 34, 18, and it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Mm-hmm. And I remember that time through those couple of years, my spirit was crushed. I was like, God, why did this happen? And I started doing things and saying things that was not me. That was not who I was. That's not who I was before the accident. Because I remember my kids would tell me, Mom, this is not you. Look at how you're talking. Look at what you're saying. That's not who you are. That's not who God put in your heart, you know? And I remember taking what they told me and start thinking, I said, hey, God, instead of allowing myself to dwell and to sit in that depression and that pain, I had to now fight and say, okay, God, I need to get out of this and I need your help. And I remember just praying and crying a lot and asking God, help me, Mm -hmm. help me get out of this because I can't do it on my own. And I just began, that was my prayer. God, help me because I can't do this on my own. And it got to the point where I just started praying that and believing who I was again and started even going back to the scriptures and and looking for scriptures that reminded me of who I was, you know, and standing now that God, this is temporary. This broken arm is is temporary. It's seasonal. I'm going to get through this. It's not forever. And I remember too, there's actually one more scripture I want to share because I remember my husband used to tell me when things were really rough in our marriage and I would cry and everything, he he would tell me about God collecting my tears in a bottle. And, and I remember reading that. I, I want to share this. Let me read the scripture real quick. But if anybody has something to say while well, I, I pull it up, you guys. Well, one of the things that I think is another thing to keep in mind, either during the process of the trauma, is that if you're not careful, it'll make you be somebody you don't want to be. Yeah. yeah. Because like go, going back to the subject of my mom, there was a lot of characteristics she had 
that I despised. I hated it as a kid. But then as I began to parent, I took on some of those same characteristics. Mm-hmm. That although oh. I hated it, I became it. Right. And that's a dangerous it. place to be. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing, too, is we need to be careful as we're going through it. It doesn't hurt at all to ask God questions. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get an answer, don't think he's not listening or he don't want to share the answer with you. Maybe, right. you know, healing needs to take place in order for you to see what he's trying to show you because he doesn't want anybody to go through trauma. Right. But life happens. Sins in the world, sin creates trauma. Yes, That's the root of every trauma is sin. There's nothing that happens good that becomes trauma. It's always something bad. Sin is the, the epitome of bad. Yes. That's what separates us from God. That's what's one separates us from everything. And earlier when I said you sometimes become something you don't want to be, one of the things I noticed in our marriage early on is that when my wife would raise her voice to me, mm-hmm. I would get flashbacks that that's my mom yelling at me. Oh. And we had to deal with that because I hated that. It doesn't happen anymore. Rarely, you know, <laughs> we, we, we have, we have constructive, uh, <laughs> discussions or disagreements, but it was it was rougher early on. Yeah. But when she would do that, I would get flashbacks of my mom yelling at me, and I hated it because now I'm old enough to defend the little kid inside of me and yeah. say, "Stop it!" Mm-hmm. And then you know, because I couldn't say that to my mom, I'd otherwise I'd get it even worse. Yeah. yeah. But then well, another nerve that happened the opposite way is one time we were talking, and I turned around and had told my wife, "I go, you're a nut." And I didn't realize that that hit a nerve. Just I didn't think it was even something bad. I was just kind of joking around. She goes, don't tell me that. Don't say those words to me. My dad used to tell me that Mm -hmm. and and say that I was going to become or I was nothing, that I was kind of dumb or. Well, no, because when I was younger growing up, he would always turn around and says, you're a nut. You're a nut. And to somebody, it's it's nothing, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, he just said, you're a nut. What, what, that's not a big deal. And I'm like, for me, it was because he would always tell me with his words, you're a nut and you're not going to ever amount to anything. And you're going to graduate when I, you know, when I graduated, cause he graduated at 45, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, those, those words, that word stuck to me, you're a nut. And so, yeah, when it comes to certain words, I'm like, don't say that. You know, because certain things trigger people. Right, yeah. right. And even with our kids growing up, you know, there's a book called The Power of a Parent's Words. Mm-hmm. And I so believe in the power of a parent's words because just the littlest words can really, really either tear down or build up your child. Yeah. Right. But to go back to that scripture you had shared with me when I was going through some stuff, you know, tough times, it was Psalms 56, um, verse eight says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can the mortals do? What can mere mortals do to me? But just thinking of that and knowing that there is a way out. I know it's hard. You know, there's time and a season that you're going to reap and you're going to, you know, you're going to sow tears. You're going to sow pain. You're going to sow sorrow, but don't look at it as the end of the world or the end of even your life because it's not, that's not God's purpose. God's purpose is for you to live, for you to live forever, you know, through Christ Jesus. Your purpose on this earth isn't over. And there's a reason, you know, sometimes God allows us to go through certain traumatic, you know, situations. Like if I hadn't gone through 
what, what I went through, I wouldn't be able to relate to someone else that's going through it. You know, I wouldn't be able to weep with someone else that's going through it or understand, you know, because it's so quick. Sometimes we as Christians can be quick to judge others that are going through it saying, oh, you know, you, you need to trust God and believe in God, but not relate to really what they're going through because it isn't easy. Even as a believer, the more you give in to your thoughts, the deeper you get and the harder it is to get out of that ditch and don't hesitate to call out or reach out to someone that that you know or friend that can help you. Something I tell a lot of like girls when I have conversations and they're like, all I can do is cry. And I tell them every time, like sometimes your tears say more than your words ever could. And God can interpret your tears and knows exactly what you're feeling. But the question was just because you guys are talking a lot about trauma is traumatizing, right? Like there's a lot of negative, but can there be beauty from trauma? Can you guys talk about that a little bit? There could be beauty. There can be beauty in trauma. And the reason that I say that is only when you have found the light. That's the only time you're going to find the beauty in the trauma. And then you can learn to accept that what happened to you didn't happen to you because you asked for it. It happened to you because someone didn't know what they were doing. So we need to learn how to allow God in those places of our heart, because some of us don't even know that we're going through this. But when we allow God, he will expose those things in our life. And that just unclogs us to allow more of his love so we can be able to help others going through the same thing we went through. That's so good. One of the things that I think that kind of when you were speaking was understanding someone. Ruth asked the question on, can something beautiful come out of trauma? Well, in my perspective, understanding my mom mm-hmm. instead of just Xing her out like some people would do to somebody who's hurt them really bad. And I'm going to live my own life. I could care less mm-hmm. if I see you again. Instead of making that choice, God helped me to understand her. And seeing that she was a black sheep of her siblings helped me to not judge her so quickly. Mm -hmm. So instead of me, not that I appreciate everything I went through, but it just gave me understanding. And I think the thing that's beautiful that came out of the trauma is the restoration. The restoration of that relationship now, now I can go visit her. Now I can have a conversation with her. And none of that baggage is there. I could talk about the hurts without having anything. In other words, after talking about the hurts, it's not like, shoot, I don't want to call her for the next month because I'm still dwelling on it. Yeah, It's not that. But I think before we, you know, wrap up is although everything we said is true, one thing that I think should be mentioned is that don't let traumas be a crutch to you on purpose because you feel so guilty that you don't believe you deserve healing. Right. Because some people will go through life, and I've seen some, where they want to talk about their traumas all the time Mm -hmm. because they have a victim mentality. And they don't want to leave that because that's a safe place for them. And they don't get the healing that God has for them because, no, because of this person, I'm not where I should be in life. And because of this decision, now I can go out and conquer this area of my life. Not that I'm not saying that people use that as a crutch, but I know that some people can tend to use that and just have the victim mentality that I'm just living through my traumas. And you talk to them and they're never over their traumas. Because and they I, and believe that their trauma is all that they are. Exactly. Yes. It's their identity. Yes. Exactly. Their identity is attached to the trauma. Yes. Uh, there's also a really good book for anybody out there that's listening. It's called It Didn't Start With Me. I forgot about the author's name, but It Didn't Start With Me. It's such a good book, and it touches so much on different types of trauma and what people have gone through and how they've been able to overcome it. 
actually have a question because I was looking up trauma and it says what we call trauma today has a Greek origin meaning wound. And when I think of wounds, I feel like there's always steps to healing, right? Like you can't just throw a bandage on it. You have to clean it. Is there practical steps that you could tell someone who's listening to like find that healing? I believe that it starts with a thought. Yes. Okay. Pain. It's not just a feeling. It's it's a thought. And one of the biggest things that the more someone meditates on a negative thought, yes, it becomes a stronghold. Mm-hmm. And the Bible actually tells us how do you overcome strongholds. Mm-hmm. And just to encourage, like with me, you know, it started with me with a thought. Yeah. The tre- depression started with a thought that nobody loved me. But it starts with words, thoughts that mm-hmm. you meditate daily on. Like you said earlier, when somebody starts meditating and starts not meditating, you don't use the word meditate, but starts reflecting and starts believing what they're feeling Mm -hmm. and they use it as a crutch. But your healing starts with changing the way you think, changing the thoughts that you have, like for example, about yourself Mm -hmm. and finding even scripture that, how do you say it, relates Mm -hmm. to what you're going through and then praying that over you. Yes. And, And I believe just you know, changing the way you think, mm-hmm. changing the way you talk, right, and just linking up with people that can positively influence you, and in, you know, in yes. a way that would help you. Yes, and I going back to that uh, to answer her question, Ruthie's question. It's uh, changing the mind. So it's in Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So Ruthie, yes, there is a process. I believe that there is a process once you have awareness of it. Now, every, everyone has a different way of dealing with trauma and how to go about, you know, healing themselves. For me, honestly, it was learning the word of God. It was going to him. It was because I'd already gone to therapy and I, and I've got, I'm not bashing therapy. I think it's really good. And I got a lot out of it, but it wasn't until I heard the word of God and that scripture right there to be, do not conform because my mind was believing something else. My my body had already been conditioned to act a different way. So it was transforming the mind, but getting the body to agree. So I no longer could believe the lies that I had been told about myself in order to start walking a new walk. And that was what God created me to be, but it doesn't happen overnight. I wish it did. Only God can work miracles, but he knows and he's strategic and how he works with every individual because if God did it for you overnight, you wouldn't learn from it. But I don't know, Tony, did you want to close us off? Uh, No, just I I think identifying it, identifying that there is trauma, acknowledging it, understanding it and surrendering it. And I think there is programs, therapy that I, I know do help. I've seen it help so many different people, but I feel that at the very end of the day and at the core of the trauma, you need to surrender that to God and have him help walk you through that to where it doesn't become a touchy subject anymore because you were able to heal from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we try to just change our behavior and think that that's healing. That's not healing. That's just a band-aid. So I think just turning around and having the one that created you touch an area of life that hurts so bad, that's a wound that not a person could really cure, but the hand of God can. So I would say that you would have to genuinely 
sincerely ask God and invite him into your life and bring that trauma up to him and have him help walk you through it. Whether it is through counseling, whether it's a, through a support group or right. through a Bible study group, you know, there's different ways that he would use, but having the communion with you and him, especially over that particular area, I think that's where the healing genuinely comes, Begin. where you yeah. could go back and revisit the trauma and see something beautiful. Right. So good. Actually, real quick, and before we dismiss, um, let's go ahead and pray yes. for those that might be listening that have either now identified a trauma or going through a trauma or it seems like this trauma is never ending. Father, we just ask right now for those that are listening, God, that you would visit them, God, whether they're in their car driving, God, at home by themselves or wherever they're at, Father. I just pray right now that you would show up and show off, God, your grace, your love, your power, God, your healing ability, Father, to visit these areas and see these broken areas, these wounds, these open wounds, God, see true healing from the inside out. Father, I just pray right now that you would just bring healing in every sense of the word. I honor you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.